And welcome to episode number 15 of the Stick to Hockey podcast. Jason Rapid is here with you today. Uh, we're going to talk with Russ Cohen uh, coming up from Hockey Prospects Radio on Sirius XM NHL Network Radio and also TSN Radio coming up in just a few moments. Great discussion we'll have with Russ on a number of topics, including the draft, uh, young NHL prospects. We're going to talk about uh, a lot of different uh, items with Russ Cohen coming up shortly, so that is on the way. Also, a few uh, logistical things here before we get started. Uh, first and foremost, um, uh, thanks to everybody for listening, and we appreciate you following us on Twitter. If you have not done so, go to at Stick to Hockey Pod on Twitter, and that's Stick, the number two hockey on Twitter. Also, check us out or hit us up on the email at Stick to Hockey Biz at gmail.com. And we had a great first week of our, our DraftKings contest our free contest that we did for $250 prize. We had 66 contestants, which is awesome. And coming up this week, we're going to do another one. We're going to do a $3 entry fee uh, for a cap contest with 40 people. So if you want to uh, keep an eye out on the uh, the Twitter for the link to the contest, we'll send that out shortly. And you can play Daily Fantasy, Daily Fantasy Hockey at DraftKings, and you can win cash prizes tonight. Make sure you go there, sign up. Use the promo code S2H, S for stick, to the number two and H when you sign up there and you can get into our private contest and we're going to do another one this Saturday night. There's so many ways to play. You can choose between public contests with big cash prizes or private contests where you can face off with a group of your friends. DraftKings also has beginner and casual contests where you can play against people of your similar skill level. Gives you a better chance to win. All you have to do is pick your team and start racking up the points for goals, assists, shots, and more. And the best part is you get to draft a new team every day without any commitment. There's no better way to put your hockey knowledge to the test than with DraftKings. So, again, keep an eye out for that link on our uh, Twitter, uh, at Stick to Hockey on Twitter, at Stick to Hockey Pod, excuse me, on Twitter. And uh, we'll tweet that out to get you involved in the contest again this week. A lot of fun the first week, and uh, great to see so many people get involved in that. A uh, couple of other things uh, as well before we get to Russ Cohen. Obviously, uh, you know, this is a hockey podcast with a Flyers lean, and what's going on with the Flyers of late with the eight straight losses and the blowing of the two goal leads. It's been pretty astounding to see how this has kind of played out over the last couple of weeks. Now, here's what I will tell you. And this is just my opinion. And from uh, people that I talk to, number one, um, a lot of people calling for the head of the head coach. That's not going to happen right now. Uh, That's not an option. I'm told Um, Ron Hextall hired Dave Hextall uh, for a long-term patient approach. Now, I don't want to call this the process a la the Sixers, but it is a re- it is a rebuild, even though the team has never said the word, this is a rebuild that they want to win now. Of course they want to win now, but they want to do it while rebuilding. Now, that being said, obviously the last eight games, blowing two goal leads in third periods, unacceptable. Uh, but this team is rebuilding, and look, I know there's questions or maybe some actions that uh, don't speak to that, like playing a guy like Brandon Manning and not Sam Moran or those kind of things. And we'll talk about Sam Moran coming up with Russ Cohen and I get his opinions on, on the player that Moran is now and could be. Uh, but, uh, you know, there's a lot of things. It seems like it's conflicting to a lot of people. Uh, but right now the team is not getting it done. They're not finishing. And, and that's the issue right now. Uh, people want to break up the core. That's, that's one of those things that's a little easier said than done. It's not easy to trade players with a, a lot of years and a lot of money left on a contract. Uh, you look at a guy like Wayne Simmons, I know his name's been floated a bit with a very team-friendly contract. Another year left after this would be uh, somebody who would get you a nice return. Certainly that is the case, and maybe at some point that does become an option. Uh, right now, I don't think the team is looking at anything imminent, 
but we'll see how this plays out over the next couple of weeks with the Flyers. So uh, we'll see how it goes and, and what transpires. And if you have any thoughts on that, you can tweet us. You can send emails. Uh, we'll get some Twitter and email correspondence on that if you'd like. Again, at Stick to Hockey Pod on Twitter, stick to hockeybiz at gmail.com as well. If you want to advertise on this podcast, again, email us at stick to hockeybiz at gmail.com as well. And uh, I think we're going to have another episode coming up this week. We've got a couple other things planned. Uh, a little bit more free time right now to get get a few extra episodes in over the next couple of weeks here before as we end out the year. But uh, once again, everybody, thanks for listening to the podcast. We're having a blast doing it, and uh, it's been a lot of fun, and we're really enjoying the correspondence with the audience as well. If you have any suggestions for the podcast, let us know that. Some guests that you want to hear. Uh, we're looking for anything. We're, we're all different levels. We talked to Guy Godowski, the head coach at Penn State last week. If you missed that episode, you can check it out. Charlie O'Connor from The Athletic a few weeks ago, formerly of Broad Street Hockey. Great episode. A lot of analytics information there. If you want to understand that stuff, go back and listen to episode 13 with Charlie O'Connor or episode 14 with Guy Godowski. We've got a lot of cool stuff coming up. i got a lot of stuff in the works with different guys, so we'll get to that. But to preview the NHL draft, the 2018 NHL draft now, and also look at uh, a lot of the young players around the league, some Flyers conversation. We talked to Russ Cohen right now from Hockey Prospects Radio and Sirius XM and TSN Radio. Russ, how you doing today? Hey, great. Thanks for having me on, Jason. Well, Russ, there's a lot of great things to get into, and, and you're a guy that can speak to uh, a lot of different areas. Uh, let's start right now with uh, the, the draft and kind of how things are looking come the 2018 NHL entry draft, uh, which is a ways off, not until ju- uh, June or July. But right now, you know, the last couple of years, we've seen some pretty amazing drafts from the Connor McDavid, Jack Eichel draft to obviously the Austin Matthews and Line A draft. Even last year with having a guy like Heischer and then Nolan Patrick taking number two overall by the Flyers. Is there a clear-cut one-two in this draft as, a, as we approach it uh, kind of mid-season here for these kids playing junior and abroad? Yeah, I think the one-two is safe with Rasmus Dahlin, the uh, really great Swedish defenseman, and Andrei Svechnikov, the really high-powered Russian forward. He, he's hurt right now, Svechnikov, but he already had 14 points in 10 games, and I think enough scouts have seen him to know what he's about. So I think the one-two is safe. I think after that, there's a lot of discussion, and there still could be discussion about who goes first. There always is. Well, when you look at these two guys, are these two guys like the last couple of drafts? And, and a lot of times, the top one and two guys are NHL ready. Uh, you look at Dalene's got a 183 pounder, six foot two kid, defenseman. Maybe that's a little bit of a holdback situation because he's a, a D man. Uh, but when you look at uh, Shvetchnikov, a six foot two, 187 pound forward, are these guys ready to jump in the NHL uh, to the team that's able to draft them? I think Svechnikov is really close, and I think Darlene will just do what a lot of guys do and go back another year. Like even if he thinks, even if if the team thinks he's ready, they'll probably be okay with him going back another year because it just seems like usually contracts get in the way, and they usually like to sort of keep him out there for another year if they're a defenseman. It's rare that I mean, how many you know eighteen-year-old defensemen do you see? I mean, Mark Edward Vlasic comes to mind, but it's rare. So I think. I think Dalene would go back. I think Svechnikov would get a really long look, and he's just got to stay healthy now. He's fine. He's never really had injury problems, and but but he's the total package. What is this draft known for? Is this a good defensive draft or good up the middle? Uh, what's kind of the 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 really kind of how this draft is being gauged? If you want D, I, this is good, or what is it termed? I think it's going to be known as a defensive draft because mm-hmm. I think out of the top ten, you're looking at three to four, 
and then the top 20, you could double that. And so I, I think that's what we're going to see out of here. Now, we're going to see some high-end guys, though. I Again, Darlene is really as high-end as they come. It, he, he had some injury problems, so not everybody got to see him last year. And, and it's hard to really gauge overseas numbers because sometimes guys are – playing a different role over there than you'll have him on here. They're playing on a team with men. So, you know, he might be on the second, third pairing there. You know, there's always different situations. But for Darlene, I've seen him in a couple of different tournaments. And, and the guy, besides the speed, and clearly he's going to have a, a body you could build on. He was once 165 pounds, so he's clearly added to that. But he's one of those guys that he can go wide and keep the play going. And I really I love defensemen like that because – you see so many times like a guy will dash into the zone and sort of like either waiting for his guys to set up or waiting for something to happen. And he is that guy that can make something happen by just waiting that extra second. Now, he's also the guy that follows the play up the ice really well, and he jumps into play like, you know, like a pro. Like if you ask him to jump, he'll jump. He knows how to do it. He really is one of those guys that will just do it instinctively. And he's got fast hands. Like he's really got exceptional hands. And so I think he's really one of the best defensive prospects we've seen probably since Ekblad. You know, and I knew Ekblad would play right away. If, if Darlene was a guy who was over here, I'd say, yeah, no doubt he's playing right away. But because he's over there, I'm saying, mm, maybe not. Maybe one year in junior, maybe go back year. over, yeah. One more, one more year over there, not even junior. No, he'll just stay in for Lunda yeah. for another year. Ripen up. And then, yeah. Uh, when you look at the defensive prospects for this draft, and we've seen kind of the the model of the high end defensemen that are taken in drafts change over the last number of years, uh, you got these guys now like Deline that can really skate and, like you said, have good hands, have an yeah. offensive instinct. That's adding to their value, correct? Oh yeah, no question about it. It, it does. Like there's a guy Quinn Hughes out of Michigan. He, you know, as a true freshman, again, that's something that's always. I know you played some college hockey. You don't get as many true freshmen anymore because sometimes they play in the BCHL and other leagues. Then they go to NCAA hockey. Then they go to the AHL or the NHL. So Quinn Hughes is a true freshman, and to have 10 points in 14 games as a true freshman in Michigan, where technically they're a little, you know, they're a little conservative in Michigan and, mm-hmm. and don't always let you jump into play and usually want you to play defense first. That's a good amount of points. He's just one of those kids that's just so smart. Now. The downside, yes, somebody might say, hey, I don't want a five foot nine defenseman, but he may not be done growing either, right? So he, he might get to 5'10 or 5'11. I don't worry about it. Like when you see Sam Gerard, I don't think anybody's worried about Sam Gerard anymore and his size. I don't worry about him because he just seems to go where everybody else isn't. He's out thinking the opposition. He's always a step ahead. He's a guy that has a great shot, like a really hard shot, but he's also got great speed to loose pucks. And, you know, as you probably saw in. In every, really, a Flyers game, in every game you watch, you've got to win those puck battles. He's a guy that can get to the puck first. He's got a great wrist shot, really hard, great vision, excellent skater, like very, very good skater. And he's a really mature kid already. Was he 18, so 19? Sure. He can't even be 19 yet, maybe? Yeah, he's 18. He's 18 right now. So I don't even know if he gets a second year in Michigan. That'll be up to him. Yeah. He, he might go straight out of Michigan to the AHL at, at the very least. So he, he's a guy that you look at and you say, yeah, there's Adam Boquist. He, he's, a, he's playing in Brenes. Jesper is his brother who was drafted by the Devils last mm-hmm. year. He's another guy that I, I want to see more of, but already he's 15 points in 15 games. Another, yeah, he can fire the puck too, huh? Yeah, he, he can fire the puck, and he's a really 
great offensive defenseman. You know, the, the key right now in the NHL is you're never going to see a stay-at-home defenseman ever again. Now, the stay-at-home defenseman that you'll see now has to skate, has to be able to, you know, pass the puck and at least have a really good first pass. Where back in the days, if you want to go back, you know, maybe to the 80s, they didn't have to do that. They really could just be that stay-at-home guy. You, you're never going to see that anymore. That, that position's done away with. So Maybe the closest would, thing to that would be a guy like Robert Haig. Yeah, and Haig, you know, I figured we would talk about him at some point. He is the closest thing you get to that, but he still has some offensive capability. Still capable of, like, playing a second power play if guys are injured. He, you know, he can do those things, but yes. Right now his role is he's playing defense first, but he's still got to be able to move the puck up the ice. He's still got to have that good first pass, and, he, and he's always had those things. And so, yeah, those guys are valuable now. So a lot more defensemen get drafted than ever before. And, and really the interesting thing is, and this is probably something you've noticed in the last few years, a lot of American defensemen, like already in the top 20, I'm counting one, two, three. Three or four American defensemen out of those top twenty, and one of them is Matthias Samuelson, uh, and that's a uh, that's a name that's that's close to you. That's Shell's kid, and mm-hmm. and so he's a guy that I just watched him play over in the USHL tournament, and he looked great. I mean, and and it's funny because I see Shell all the time, and growing up a Ranger fan, I certainly watched him. And I probably had the same gripe a lot of people had back in those days when the game was tougher. Like, hey, how come this big guy isn't like using his body and, yeah. and killing people? Well, his kid's going to be just as big, but, but he's way more offensive. Yeah, and so, a little but, bit more vicious, maybe. And maybe a little. I, I don't know. I, but that's I, temperament, I too, right? That. Yeah. He, I mean, odds are he's going to be, but I haven't seen it yet. Yeah. But. But really, it, it is amazing. The um, there's another kid, Bodie Wild from from the NTDP, really, really good offensive player. But he hasn't really, eh, I guess, gotten the the word out about him yet in the scouting world. Yes, but but to the average fan, no. And as you do, he's another one who could also play a, a pretty tough game too, a good all around. And and so the all around guys tend to to hang around the middle of the first round of the, the elite offensive ones. Like there's Joel Farabee. He's a, uh, an offensive defenseman. He's right now with the NTDP. Actually, no, I'm sorry. He's a left winger. Sorry. I'm thinking of a different guy. Oh, no worries. Uh, let me ask you about a guy. Cause a couple you know, every draft I see a guy or two, I go, well, I'd love, I'd love to watch this guy every night. And the guy the last couple of years, Matthew Kachuk, he's got a yeah. brother in the draft, Brady Kachuk playing at yeah. BU right now. Uh, he's he got a lot of the same, uh, uh, maybe temperament says his brother. He's a pain in the rear end on the ice, and and, and that's Matthew Kachuk. You've seen that uh, you know lead to some success for him, gets him some space on the ice, and drives the opposition crazy. Uh, Brady Kachuk is going to go top five in this draft, right? Yeah, I think so. And but he's not quite the trash talker that Matthew is. Like Matthew has reached a whole new level of trash talking, and so and that's costing Landeskog a few games. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was that was pretty bad. Um, but he is, he is a guy that gets his nose dirty and he'll increase battles. And right now, he's not quite where he'll be. He'll never be at Keith's weight, and that's a good thing. But at 6'2", you know, 194, he's definitely going to go to at least 215, 220, I'm sure. And he'll be a, a really a, a load at that point. I mean, he's a great stick handler already. He does have that temper, that Kachuk temper. 
he, he could play center or wing. So really, you know, everybody, I don't know, you probably noticed this too, when you get close to a draft, everybody's a center, right? Mm-hmm. Every agent tells every guy, if you could play center, you, you get listed as a center because chances are you'll get drafted higher. But we, as we see when things shake out and guy gets on a team and the team says, hey, we got so many centers, when the guy goes, well, I'll play the wing, and all of a sudden they're a winger. He could do either one, though. And yeah. he's, he's really good two-way. He has great vision, really exceptional vision. He, uh, he has a great backhand, and that's something where in today's hockey world it's making a comeback. When I was a kid, the backhand was a big thing, right? Phil Esposito had a great backhand. Mm-hmm. There were a lot of guys that had that backhand, could hit the top of the net. You really couldn't stop it. Like, it was just a It's a hard shot. thing for a goalie to read. It is. It is a hard thing for a goalie to read. And once you get used to it, it is a shot that's easy to pull off. But then it went away. It seemed like it went away like in, in the 2000s. I, you know, I didn't see any backhands. And now it's back. And, and so he's one of the guys that, that could really do that. And I think as he gets bigger and stronger, he'll play more in the crease. But right mm-hmm. now he's, he's a threat anytime the puck's on his stick. He is not ripping it up right now in college. But, again, there's a lot of reasons for that. But he did play really well at MSG the other night against Cornell. And so that's a good thing because that, that was like a, a big-time game. And so he's doing fine. He's got 10 points in 15 games. The goals haven't come yet, but they will. Uh, one of the guys in the NHL currently, maybe one of the best backhand shooters of all time, Sidney Crosby. Uh, yeah. but, but he's like the only one. You're right. Uh, let's talk about a couple of the young guys in the NHL right now. And we're uh, starting to see a really a coming-out parade for Brock Besser. I uh, saw it yeah. here in Philadelphia the other day. Uh, <laughs> he's a guy, yeah. he is just exploding right now. What are you seeing out of his game? Well, the interesting thing is, all right, so, you know, most people probably know the backstory already since he already came to Philly and he went to North Dakota. He was, he was a guy that was on Dave Hackstall's radar, so Hackstall recruited him, but he didn't play for Hackstall because Hackstall got signed by the Flyers. But I always tell people I can't give Dave Hackstall credit for that because if you saw Brock Besser play, no matter what team you were with, you would be at his house the next day trying to recruit him. Mm-hmm. He's just a kid. You know, he's very chill. The interesting thing is I had a – chance to spend a little time with him over the summer at an event and it's where guys get their trading card shot so they're they're playing a little hockey and then they're talking and interviewing and and he is just a laid-back guy so I knew if a West Coast team got him it would be the perfect fit he is a guy that just literally wants to just sit at the rink and shoot the you know what and talk about hockey 24-7 but when he's on the ice you could see he's got the speed and he's got a great shot and I the fatal flaw the other day was when he got open in, in, on the right side, and the Flyers sort of like in, I don't know, what looked like maybe zone coverage, but just bad coverage. You can't leave him open, and you just can't. Like, yeah, he was sitting in the spot of uh, Ovechkin. <laughs> yeah, and he's got a similar shot, and you saw, not only did he put it in the net, but he puts it in the high corner, like he doesn't yeah. even try. And so he, he's got that shot, and in three-on-three, three, he's deadly too, right, because of the same reason, more room on the ice. And so he's got speed. He's got the shot, but he's also got the hockey IQ. And so this was a, a great pick for Vancouver. Sometimes Vancouver's under fire for some of the draft picks they've had. I've generally liked what they've done the last couple of years. Before that, eh, it was a little iffy. But, but Besser is a good one, man. And he's going to be in the, in the Calder running all year. Yeah, and you look at a guy like Debrinkit, who's having a yeah. good couple of weeks as well, Charlie McAvoy. There's some yeah. real good young talent in the NHL right now. Yeah, you could go like 10 deep. I mean, yeah. last year was just an all-timer group, really. But, but this year, you can go 10 deep. I, I think it's interesting about the Brinkett because I once drove, and, and people from the area will, will get a kick out of it, but I live in Glassboro, New Jersey, and I drove up to Erie. I went to see Connor McDavid 
play against Aaron Eckblad. So it was Erie against Barry. And it was a great game. And there were so many players in that game, you know, Strom, Brankett, mm-hmm. You know, Kevin LeBanc, guys, and just so many guys. It was so worth it for so, so many different ways. And, but with DeBrinkett, like, this guy was just dominating, and he dominated at every level. He dominated in high school. He dominated in Erie. You know, how many times, how many 50-goal seasons do you need before teams don't pass on you? And they still passed on him based on his size. You knew when the Blackhawks got him, I, I think I was doing either a live show or I went and I recapped it for serious and i went to my partner and i said how do the blackhawks get him seriously yeah it's like that the, it's that bowman luck yes all the other teams should like really look at, at themselves in the mirror and just say you know height aside how could you pass on the kid's shot his determination and he has literally had a chip on his shoulder forever Going back to when I saw him play in just the All-American Prospects game where a whole bunch of American players get together and play for a couple hundred scouts, even then, because people always were looking for the downside in his game. What's wrong with him rather than, hey, he's getting 50 goals and 100-something points every year. Yeah, look at the result. Goodness. Yeah. Uh, let me ask you quickly about a couple of Flyers' young defensemen. Let's talk with, about Travis Sanheim first. Uh, yeah. he's, he was in and out of the lineup a little bit at the very beginning of the season. Obviously, injuries have uh, forced their hand. He's been playing a lot, and he looks a lot better, and he looks like he's gaining a lot of comfort on the ice. He is, and that's the thing. It's like the tough part is like when, when you talk to fans about these young defensemen, like they want him to play even if it's like third-pairing minutes. But Travis Sanheim has to play. And he has to play bigger minutes than what a third-pairing guy like a number six is going to play. And, and now that you see that he's getting these bigger minutes, you're starting to see more out of him. Now, I don't think the offense has kicked in yet. I mean, he's only got four points. But what you're, the other things that you're seeing is his stride has gotten so much better in the last year and a half. And even, even at this year's rookie camp, I was talking to him about it, and it's something that he worked on. It's funny. Players now, even if they think they're fast, they know they can get faster, right? So they all work on it over the summer, and it really kicked in for him, and I felt like the strength factor kicked in for him too. Same as Couturier. It took two, three years for the strength factor to really kick in for Sean Couturier. Well, Sandheim's got a similar build, and and he's not quite where he's going to be, but he's getting a lot closer physically, and that's helping him too because, again, it helps you with your endurance. It helps you – push off guys, and, and so I'm not seeing as many mistakes. Is he making mistakes? Yes, he's a rookie defenseman. All rookie defensemen, except for maybe Ivan Provorov, don't make mistakes. And so, you know, you're going to see it, but I'm really what I'm seeing out of him is really good, and, it, and they are going to have a hard time getting him out of the lineup. Now. Yeah, yeah, and he's a guy, you mentioned that strength. You can see him on, on board battles as well, yeah. the way he's pushing out of uh, those battles and, and winning those uh, much more often now. Let's talk about Sam Moran. He's been with the Flyers organization for years. We know he was sent back uh, to the AHL with the Phantoms uh, earlier this season and came up for a couple of games due to injury, now back with the Phantoms. What is the future for this player in the NHL and with the Flyers organization? I don't think it's as bright as some fans think it is. And I know, like, every fan just has this thing about Andrew McDonald. So anytime he comes in, it's, it's just interesting. And then, of course, he's replacing Moran, right? So then it became a whole thing. And he becomes an enemy because of it, yeah. <laughs> right. It, but, I mean, he already got booed opening night. <laughs> yeah, it's absurd. It, it, it was really absurd. I mean, it's, it's, it's sad when a guy gets booed when he hasn't even played a game yet for, the, for a new season. But 
end of the day, Sam Moran has become a better skater, but he's really a straight-line skater, right? He still has trouble turning, and he can only play one side. He's not a guy that you can put on either side at the NHL level. At the AHL level, he can play both sides. He's got to play the left side. He's got to play the left side. Like, yeah. That's it. Like he, There's no other future for him. And so at the end of the day, I think he could be a third-pairing guy that you pop in and pop out. I don't think he's going to play regularly. I think his D-zone coverage is decent. And I think it's good enough when you want to have, you know, you feel like, hey, you're missing that physical element in the lineup. You want to throw him in there. That's good. I don't look. Every big guy's got a great shot. This is another big nomer, misnomer. Like when, when a guy's six six, they all have a great slap shot. I remember Dylan McElrath scored a goal for the Rangers, and everybody's like, oh, my God, look at his shot. He could probably score. Except he's never going to get those opportunities. And Moran's really not going to get many of those opportunities either. And he really has, he's another one. He's got to wind it up to really score, too, right? So yeah. you don't get to do that in the NHL. So You just don't get I the time to do that anymore. No, you don't have any time. I mean, actually, I'd rather have a guy I've, – I've made this argument. With Ivan Provorov, he shoots it so quickly he gets it right on net. Gossespierre has a better shot, right? But he's not always hitting the net. Mm-hmm. You want the guy to hit the net, and then you want other things to happen outside of that. And so, to me, just that quick snapshot could be better than even the guy with the prettiest one-timer – just because sometimes you just want it to get through. And that's all Provorov does. If you look at him, he just gets it through, man. That's it. He just shoots it quick off his stick. If it goes in, great. If not, maybe somebody else will do something. Yeah. But I think Moran could be a third-pairing guy. I don't think he's an everyday NHLer for them. And yeah, I see, I agree with you. And, and, and Russ, I've taken so much crap, whether it be on it. Twitter, about Moran. And look, yeah, you're right. He is a good straight-line skater. But yeah. in today's NHL, with the, the, the wingers, a right winger that they can put down on him, for his ability to turn his hips and stay with that player without having to pull him down with a full head of steam is a problem in today's game for a big player like him. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll go back to like last night's game that Brian Rust, when, when you have Gossespierre winding up for a shot, Rust blocks it, and he's off to the races, right? And even Gossespierre, who could skate great, took an extra second, and that extra second meant he couldn't catch him. Imagine if Moren was winding up for, for a shot and somebody blocks it. It's an automatic shorthanded opportunity. Yep, yep you're absolutely right. And, and that play last night was such a bad play by Gossespierre because as, as the back man, you can't put yourself in a situation. The pressure's coming towards you. You're leaning forward. There's no chance you're going to catch him unless you've got a jetpack on your ass. Right. So. And, and so that's – and that's – look, that's where – like the experience, the winning experience, unfortunately, of the Penguins really comes in mm-hmm. handy when they play other teams. But, yeah, you know, Moran's going to be one of these guys that I think ultimately will get traded because I think they just have too many defensemen in yep. the system. More guys are coming, and I think it's going to be a numbers game for him. Uh, let me ask you about that trade scenario. Obviously, everybody in this city in Philadelphia, uh, you cover the team in this area as well as the league mm-hmm. and junior and everything else. Uh, when you look at the situation, everybody's calling for the coach's head. That's the lazy hockey narrative, right? Things right. aren't going well. Fire the coach, strip the C, blame the goalie. It's those three things at all times. And right now it might be a combination of all of those things, although the goalie hasn't been the issue, the captain hasn't been the issue, and the coach doesn't take a shift. Although the captain was an issue with the faceoff against Crosby. Otherwise, yeah. it hasn't been the issue. Yeah, you're right. It, uh, he's a, generally, he's I a good faceoff guy. That. But, yeah, you're right about that. Um, yeah. so, so there's a little bit of culpability, and, and their line is the only one really going with any consistency. Yeah. Uh, what does this Flyers team do? Well, I mean, really, if we're, if we're realistic, and, and they'll never say it publicly, they're still rebuilding, right? Mm-hmm. So They're in their own a, some, some sort of process. They, they are on, on a different kind of process. Like, you can't be on the same process as, like, the 76ers because there's more players, right? Yep. So 
And the goalie is the hardest part of it. That's why they've gotten the in-between goalies now, because Carter Hart's probably two years away if we're realistic, one year away if all of a sudden everything hits gangbusters, right? And so you're really waiting for that time for the whole process to be close to completion. And, and again, again, Frost, Morgan Frost is a heck of a player. For all these people that are killing them on the Braden Shen trade, why don't you wait until you see Morgan Frost? Because so far... Every time I've seen him, he's the fastest guy on the ice, mm-hmm. and and he he can really make things happen, and so. And today's again, game's all about speed, by the way. It is, and and that's the other thing. It's like they have drafted for speed, and and actually, when they got Isaac Ratcliffe, he, I had him ranked as, as as a high first rounder. I really like him, and he plays like a smaller guy. So when it all kicks in for Ratcliffe, he's going to be nearly impossible to cover, and so because he already has really great speed. And it's not speed for a big guy. Like, you know, how we always say, oh, yeah, he's got great speed. He really moves for a big guy. No, he really moves. And so, and that's going to get better. And so I feel like they've got those things handled. As far as for this club right now, I don't think there's a whole lot they can do. I mean, and the thing is, unless you're going to trade for an expiring guy, you could give up some draft picks. No question about it. If they feel like they're getting close to the playoffs, they can do that. But, like, otherwise, you got to let the young defense roll, and maybe you're picking up a bottom six player. I mean, I don't see anything else big happening for them simply because they're in that rebuilding mode. And I think while this season's winding down, when we get past, let's say, the all-star break, then you'll have a better idea. But if they're, if they're close, I think they would look to make a move, and I do think it would be in a, in a top six role, cause that, in a bottom six role, because I think that, you know, they're, the secondary scoring is hurting, like it usually is. Yeah, and and right and you got to get so, Simmons healthy too, and clearly yeah, he's Simmons not. Simmons is not having you know his best year. He knows that the whole world knows that. But third and fourth line's a little a little sketchy right now. Yeah, no question. Even and, Travis Konecny, look, everybody loved him last year, but but he's having growing pains. Yeah, he is too. Well, he may need to do a little bit of maturing as, as well. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, you're right. It's, it's a very interesting situation. They got some assets to trade, but you know, 35, 40 goal scorers don't fall off trees, and teams no. tend not to trade those guys. No, I mean, you might be able to get a guy on an expiring deal and then hope you could sign him for next year. I mean, that that is a possibility. There'll be a few of those kinds of guys out there. But like again, as an example, I think Buffalo will trade a Vander Kane. Do you want a Vander Kane? Like, I get that he's. He's talented scoring goals, but there's all those off the ice issues. Do you want that guy in Philly? I don't know. Yeah, and, and the other thing with him is you, you look at a guy like a Vander Kane, and right, right now he's the, he's Buffalo's best player this season. He's out playing Jack Eichel. Yeah, so yeah. it's amazing. Uh, last question for you, Russ. What's the biggest story in the NHL this season? I guess it's the Vegas Golden. It's got to be right. <laughs> I mean, it's unbelievable. I picked them in an embarrassing fashion, but I. I I don't think anybody could have predicted what they're doing. I said, you know, they'll probably get like 35 points. Because what happened was, I, what I thought would happen did happen. And they got a lot of guys, and they acquired a lot of picks. But they didn't get all the prime guys that people thought they were going to get. They didn't get Sammy Vatanen, right? They didn't get, you know, they did get a few really good players. But they picked a lot of role players that right now are kicking everybody's butts and in Vegas, they're doing great, right? Which I do think... Oh, they're 9-1 and one at home, yeah. Yeah, but I do think that is a function of it being Vegas mm-hmm. and being a lot of distractions, and I think that will soon end when it wears off for players. But they've even played well on the road lately. And, and Maxime Lagasse, if you'd have told me they could win games with him in net, I would have outwardly laughed at you. Now, Oscar Dansk, no, because uh, he, he did have a little bit of a pedigree. So Dansk was a good guy to sort of be able to throw in there. 
because he, he did at least play some, some big games in his life. But it really is unbelievable what they're doing, what James Neal is doing. I mean, if I had told you they'd be in first place without Marc-Andre Fleury, you'd be laughing at me. Yeah. It's, it's Ooh, amazing. I mean, it's just, they're 15-6-1 and one on the season. they got 31 points. They're riding a five-game win streak. If I would have told you that Vegas, would, after 22 games, would have 31 points and Edmonton, after 24, would have 20, you'd have had me committed. I would have had you committed. And, and the crazier thing is, even the other day when I looked, the Golden Knights were still like 200-1 to one in Vegas. At some point, they're going to have to adjust. Yeah, you're right. It's, it's amazing. Um, real, I said it was the last question. I always lie about that. Um, okay. Let me, All I'm, producers lie, I know that. <laughs> I'm going to give you three teams in the Western Conference. Tell me if any of these teams make the playoffs. Edmonton, Anaheim, or Minnesota. Any of those teams make the playoffs? They're all out right now, and we're posted to American Thanksgiving. I think Anaheim will. I do think they'll get it together. I they're so they, injured, right? They're so injured. Like, there's just too many injuries, and they haven't really been able to trade for a forward, and and they even have a kid on, on the farm, Nick Cordeals, who's really good, but he's even injured again. So it's like they, they don't have a lot they can do, but guys like Richie are holding him in there, and Gibson I really like as a goalie, and I think he's doing well. And I just think they're going to hang around, and I do think it'll kick in for them. And, look, I mean, Camp Fowler's out. It's just it, it's crazy, but I think they'll get it together. Uh, the Oilers, I thought, would be a team that not went, would go to Stanley Cup. I mean, people – I actually said I thought Calgary would get further than the Oilers, but I thought the Ducks would be the team to get to the Cup. And I still think there's an outside chance of that. But Minnesota, once you lost Parisi, mm-hmm. they're, they're, it's an uphill battle the rest of the year. Now now it's on Devin Dubnik. Like now he's got to really carry the load because there's not as much offense. Jason Zucker is, is a kid who I've always liked and, and has really kicked in. They need more guys to kick in, and so I don't know. Uh, all right, so. same question for the Eastern Conference. I'll give you the yep. three teams. Uh, the Philadelphia Flyers, the Boston Bruins, or the Ottawa Senators. Any of them get in? Ottawa goes to the conference final last year. Their team, I said, going into the season would not make the playoffs. I didn't even include yeah. Montreal because they're not making the playoffs. But No, I agree. Um, I'm going to go Boston Bruins because they've been sort of hanging around as well, mm. and I think they – the play out of Anton Kudobin has been spectacular. I mean, once upon a time, he was the top-rated uh, European goalie in the draft. But, you know, a lot has happened to him from then to now. And last year, the biggest problem for the Bruins was their backup goalie. Well, now that's no longer their biggest problem. The biggest problem is staying healthy. But I think they have enough. And I think because of guys like McAvoy and Jake DeBrusque, Louis Kidd, who's, who's really good, and, and just Danton Heinen, they've had a lot of guys they've been able to – put in their call-up that have done a great job. I mean, Brandon Carlo, geez, that was a great pick, right? I mean, he's been playing for two years now. I think they'll hang around, and I do think they'll get in. And I think it'll take a while. Now, it's funny because even a couple of years ago, I kept people kept asking me, are the Flyers going to make the playoffs? And I said no, and I was kidding a friend, and I kept saying 0%, and then he would show me, like, you know, these things and say, well, he's got a, they have a 7% chance, a 20% chance, and they made it on the last day of the year. So that could still happen. But yeah. Go well, I mean, look, the, the third team in that division right now in the Atlantic, after you get by Tampa Bay and Toronto, the drop-off is pretty pretty distinct there. Detroit right now, they're only a point back. I don't I think Detroit's for real. Five, you know, they think that the two wild cards will be from the Metro, but I don't think so. I think 
second half of the season, the Metro teams will start killing each other, mm-hmm. and somebody from the Atlantic will move in, and I think it'll probably be the Bruins. Okay. Well, it'll be very interesting to see how it kind of plays out. Hey, Russ, we've got to get you on again, man. This was a lot of fun. We really appreciate it. It was a lot of fun. Uh, Russ Cohen joins us uh, from uh, NHL Network Radio, Hockey Prospect Radio, the show. It's on TSN Radio uh, all throughout Canada as well. Follow him on Twitter, at Sportsology, and uh, check out his website as well, www.sportsology.com. Great info. We appreciate it. We'll talk to you soon, Russ. All right. See you soon. All right. There he is, uh, Russ Cohen from NHL Network Radio's Hockey Prospects Radio, also TSN Radio. Check out his website again, sportsology.com. We appreciate him taking the time. Well, there you go. There's your episode number 15 of the Stick to Hockey podcast. Uh, Like I said before, we'll probably have another episode for you coming up this week. Enjoy your hockey week, everybody. It is a busy one. A lot of games, 50 games in the NHL in total this week. So enjoy your hockey. We'll talk to you soon right here on the Stick to Hockey podcast.